But he's actually a rookie, so he's gonna, he's gonna wait a little I agree with everything you guys are saying. Absolutely. We are here from the alternate Lucha World Studios in Hampton Car Court <laughs> Walnut Kills. Uh, I am Vandal the Love Handle Drummond with Alfredo Esparza, and we have a super special guest here. We have the man known as Dr. Lucha, Steve where? Sims. Where? He's hiding somewhere. He's looking for my the cat. The man who won't appear on Slam and Stamp. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He refuses to be the sixth member of the, of the Slam and Stamp podcast. That's how he likes to describe it. We like to say he was banned from Slam and Stamp. For talking baseball. <laughs> <laughs> for t- too, too many run-ins. That's what it is. Yeah. That's right. Too many unannounced run-ins. <laughs> You got you guys at, at Slamming Stan have a beautiful podcast that has its own rhythm, has its own guests, has its own uh, it, it, its own. I go back to the word rhythm again, but you, you've developed your own niche in the marketplace, and I already have an outlet to speak every two weeks to to ah. get things off my chest as it is anyway. So, so it's not a matter of you like Brian Alvarez better than us or anything like that. Well, that's true too. But oh, <laughs> ow! <laughs> Even we like Brian Alvarez more than we do. We like ourselves. So. That's right. How can you not? How can you not like Brian Alvarez more than just about anybody else? Um, except maybe Dave Meltzer, if he's listening. Which I know he, isn't. He, never, no, he doesn't have to. That would be that would be a shock. He has, he has no time to listen to podcasts. Come on. Yep, the likelihood of that. I was curious. Did he? Does he have any other hobbies? Uh, he used to be like into bodybuilding, going to the beach. He, he follows politics regularly. Oh, right. Okay. Since he was a little kid, I think. Yes. 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 I think that's about it for Dave Meltzer. <laughs> I don't want to overexpose. Well, you know, well, has two he's, kids. He's you know. a parent. Yes, yeah. he's a parent. And anybody who's had kids can tell you that, that your life changes when you have kids. That, uh, yeah. That's why I don't have kids, because <laughs> children should not raise children. That's just I agree with that wholeheartedly. <laughs> well, uh, we, uh, just, we're in a euphoric mood today, uh, despite the fact that we have some very sad news. We just learned that... CMLL legend Masakri has passed away due to complications of spinal cancer at the age of 57. Uh, I, all three of us are familiar with him. Well, we were just talking about MSO Uno, like what? Our, la- our last podcast? Yes. Yes, it was MSO Uno. That I mean, the last... timing. Yeah. It is, it is very... It's a sad story overall. Of course, us... Reaching middle age, one of the first reactions I bet each of us had—well, at least two of, <laughs> two, two of us had. Alfredo's just a kid, but yeah. Yeah, damn it! But you know, he was fifty-seven when he passed away, and we'd look, turn and look in the mirror and say, "You know, he's our generation. I, I, he's our generation. Yeah. He's our age. We have friends that, and relatives that age and stuff. That's too young. That's too young to pass away." But he had had cancer of the spine, which I can't remember the last person I heard of dying from cancer of the spine or even having cancer of the spine. It's a, not a very common disease to have. You can always speculate, and all you can do is speculate is, is if 20 years' worth of taking back bumps do anything to destroy the cells around your spine. Mm-hmm. But then again, there have been millions of wrestlers in the U.S. 
in the last hundred years, and none of them had cancer of the spine. So I don't, I, I really don't see how you can r- relate the two. And cancer is one of those things where there is common or rare. There's so many of it. It's not a very prejudiced uh, disease. It it happens, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. You know. So who knows if it was there's some cause and effect, or if it was just a spin of the wheel. That's. That's one of the other chilling things as, as we get older. How long had he been in um, Charlotte? I, I had heard news of him being in the U.S. for medical care due to him having relatives who had crossed the border for about four years. Okay. But I hadn't asked any question about him in the interim. So I, I didn't know that he was on the verge of dying. And I guess that's not the sort of thing that would go around. But I'll ask you two if you remember him and his feud when he was part of the Untouchables, Los Intocables, feuding with uh, M.A.S.A. Uno, mm-hmm. his close friend and frequent feud partner, and Satanico Pirata Morgan is Infer- Los Infernales. I remember it very well. In fact, that's one of the first matches I came across on YouTube last night. You know, Whenever I hear of a passing of somebody like this, YouTube's the first place I go to try to you know, pull up a little nostalgia. And uh, I saw... That short stretch where he was actually a Technico teaming with Pierrot Jr. and Hakimate. Hakimate. Uh, yeah, that's a name we haven't heard in years. One of the guy who really looked horrible his last couple of years. Oh, true. That is really awful. Had one of the coolest maps, yeah. but it didn't quite white match what he did in the ring. Are you saying he didn't checkmate his opponents? <laughs> he checkmated his career, I do oh, believe. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, and the same thing is, is funny. When M.A.S.A. Uno died, he's a guy I hadn't really thought of that much in recent times. But when I went back and looked at his work, I said, damn, damn, these guys were great. And the feud they had with each other and other folks like the Brassos, that, that was just golden. It was, but it was different, too, wasn't it, Fredo? Yeah, it was very different. <laughs> that's it. I have no more to talk about. Okay. I know what I wanted to ask you. What I wanted to ask you about Masacre was: wasn't his last thing he did in Lucha with Ocesa? Did he have something to do with that? Because I kind of remember. I thought him. he even did stuff with AAA very late in the career after the Ocesa stuff. Yeah, the Ocesa re- stuff was when they had the the big show. He was the booker, right? He was the guy in charge. He was the booker, and they tried to do a big show at Palacio de los Deportes and drew like five people (laughs) for for seeing Fishman was his mask. The first two shows of Ocesas were really good. Yes. And then the last two were like horrible. They were, but people didn't view them as anything but nostalgia shows, and we can always see with nostalgia shows, the, the interest level will decline the more often that you run them. Yeah. Exactly. And that's how they were treated by the audience at the time. Even though we lucha aficionados got into it a great deal, the regular average fan was onto what they could see on TV is the current modern stuff, the Vipers. And back then, you know, Shocker and Ultimo Guerrero were just starting their feud and yeah. stuff like that. And the, there was there was a new wave of wrestlers to be interested in. Vipers, Vatos Locos was the Those Vatos Locos. Yeah, the, that was the big feud in AAA. Mm-hmm. Before Conan started watching AAA, <laughs> he missed all the bad stuff. He missed all the bad stuff. No, I mean Cibernético. That Cibernético made yeah. his made his money that way. Yeah. 
surprised Pena kept drawing with those shows, but you know. They were actually but Pena was an actual promoter. Yeah. And we'll probably get into that at some point in this discussion about promoting wrestling and stuff like that. I mean, somebody tried to run a show last night in L.A. and moved it from an outdoor arena to an indoor arena that seats 300, maybe. <laughs> mm. So you're moving it from a venue that has 6,000 seats to a venue that has 300 seats. But they probably drew the same amount of people. <laughs> well, that could be, because... <laughs> Promoting these days is a very, very difficult. Promoting independent wrestling these days is a very. Even AAA and, and CMLL, when they don't run their TV tapings and send their wrestlers to spot shows, those are being promoted by independent. Well, you know, we were referring to the Pico, Pico Rivera show last night. I, I think one of the problems is. You know, you're promoting a show, but nobody knows it exists because. Well, you did say it was on LA Times, um. It was on the cover of LA Times. Well, okay, here's the thing. They did a story about... R.J. Brewer. R.J. Brewer, yes, and his feud with Blue Demon and his uh, anti-immigration gimmick. You know, I, I don't remember the article that clearly, but... They didn't mention the... They didn't mention <laughs> oh, the show. Geez. I mean, I think they mentioned that it, there was something going yeah, on run. in the area, but yeah. there was no mention of where it was, who was, you know... It's, no, it's like it's the LA Times is defer- desperate for advertisement. You know, a smart promoter could have placed a little block ad to run on the same page. Exactly. The LA Times would have taken that. Yeah, they wouldn't in their old days. Their journalistic standards were a lot higher than that. But in this day and age, they will take any print advertising they can get, and they would have put it on the same page. And you could have had a prom- promotion slot on the inside page that the, the cover story went to. I you know I I remember. When I was a lot younger, you know, here in the L.A. area, you know, when there was an athletic commission and, you know, you couldn't just run a, car, a show anywhere. You had to go through the athletic commission, mm-hmm. pay fees. So I think there's a lot more stake in these people's minds. But the thing I remember was when they would promote a show, you'd see flyers in the neighborhood everywhere. You'd see ads in yes. the newspapers. I mean, you knew there was a show. Of, but it kind of seems like with these guys, though, since they have another business... Besides wrestling, mm-hmm. doesn't it kind of feel like they're just like using wrestling for? It, it, they're not really promoting. It, it, it does. Like, it does seem that way. Although, and I know some of them are really, really hardcore into wrestling. But I learned a lot for, at the at just watching a local promoter in Chicago called Sam Desero try and promote Windy City Wrestling at a time when there were at least a dozen, maybe eighteen shows that you could get on cable TV in your house without having to leave you know, your house, including WWE, NWA, World Class, et cetera, et cetera. So you could get a very high level of wrestling. And he was trying to start up a company from scratch to get people to go out and watch wrestling live without, at first, a TV show at all. And, of course, one of the things that he did when he found a venue was is he papered that area, neighborhood area with posters mm-hmm. to at least let people know that on such and such a date in the neighborhood, where it was, whether it was the International Amphitheater in Chicago or up, up a, a, a bar or someplace on the northwest side, that there's going to be a show upcoming. And I saw how much legwork went into it by somebody who really was, who knew the inside of the business pretty well, but really put his heart and soul yeah. Into mm-hmm. the, this is the main thing I am doing with my life is trying to <coughs> start a wrestling promotion. I'm not a money mark. I'm not somebody mm-hmm. dabbling in it. I'm not somebody interested in it. I'm not somebody that would like to try it. <coughs> it's like the 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 old joke about 
chicken and eggs, and uh, or, or uh, ham and eggs. That the chicken in the ham and eggs is is involved, but the pig is committed. And in this case, in this case, Sam was committed. He wasn't involved in running a wrestling promotion. He was committed to it, and I saw what he did to try and make things work. And uh, it does seem like a lot of guys who are promoting today think that reliance on uh, an avenue like Facebook is going to do it. And now Facebook is kind of invisible, except for the. And you know the other thing they screwed up. Let's face it; they changed Strongman's name. Yes. Amen. Well, yes. Amen. I mean, how are we supposed to know it's Strongman? What was it, John? John Recon? Recon? And I mean, oh, come on. Yeah. I didn't know that till I figured it out. In fact, that's the only reason yeah. I knew the show existed because I was. But you, when you told me Strongman, I'm like, I don't see him listed. <laughs> I was like, yeah. yeah. I was like, I'm not gonna go. It would have sold out if it just yeah. said Strongman and well, him pulling a bus. It, yes, bus. You would have <laughs> yeah. had to have the Strongman versus the bus. And yeah. him at the end screaming, now I am a Mexican. Yeah. Now yeah. I am a Mexican. And you need shocker ringside. Do it, John. Take it away, John. <laughs> Take it away, John. <laughs> yeah. It away, John. <laughs> yeah, the only reason I knew the show existed is I was just kind of uh, cruising Facebook, and a friend, uh, Kevin Lyon, I am me, says, Kurt, did you hear John Strongman's going to be in Pico Rivera? And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so there. Yeah. Then I heard it was going to be outdoors and it was going to rain. And I, <laughs> I know, like, it's like, eh. <laughs> not even for Strongman and a bus. Mm-hmm. Not even for Strongman. But that's and a okay. Bus. They have several more dates coming. They're in Fresno tonight, which oddly enough will probably be the single best drawing house they have on their entire tour. And then they'll be at the Alamo Dome in they're San actually, Antonio. They're actually going to be in the Alamo Dome, or not like a little small no. Park? No, according, according to what I have been told, they are going to be in the Alamo Dome. Oh wow. <laughs> Oh, that should be very interesting. That should be like Kurt, <laughs> Kurt seated ringside. Yay! <laughs> Go, John. Man. Go, Johnny. <laughs> you can do it, strong man. <laughs> War like a lion. Uh, That's what we the pay. strong man sign right there. We love you, strong but, man. We, but <laughs> you cross out we. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what do you think if he knew I wrote haiku about him. I should ask him. Yes, he's do. Not, he's not on Twitter. I'd be curious. But I don't to know. think he, he probably wouldn't pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> it would be better if you just went up and challenged him in the ring. I think so. You should tell him. You should read a haiku to him. Ringside. Yeah, that would be cool. See you what have his to, reaction would be. You have to be very careful, though, if he t- tries to dive on you outside the ring, because he, he can actually dive a lot further than he thinks he can. So yeah. you, you'll you be here, and he'll, you have to put your hands up to try and catch him. <laughs> and I'll be imprinted onto a steroid-like frame, you know, and... Uh, Steroid-like? No, more like steroid-enhanced, or like steroid... Uh, Enough of this, let's talk about Filled. euphoria. Euphoria. We are, we are euphoric. We are euphoric. Finally, a rookie that we can root for, who's yes. actually yes. closer to our age. <laughs> the Grand <laughs> Alternativa is done for another year, and once again, just like the last three or four years, it didn't draw very well. Do you know if they're doing um, for Hondo Unido? I, ha- I haven't heard. No. I have not heard I yet. like that. I want them to do That's that. That's a long tournament to run, though. I know, but I like it. And they have too many hands. And when they did it last year, Ultimo Guerrero had just assumed control of the book at CMLL. He was the head of the committee. That's where they're going to get rookies, too. So. Well, I don't know. Yeah. You know. It's, hard to, it's hard to keep up with that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and what is what's you next? Bellino? <laughs> yes. Next, Bellino <laughs> Blue Panther. As take the Blue Panther rematch. Yeah, Blue Panther versus Diamante yeah. Negro. Yeah. He'll be a rookie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He'll well, be eligible. It's just well, it's Euphoria. I mean, come on. We are all happy because Euphoria has a nice work rate and has been undervalued for many, many years. 
I'm sure this is going to lead to terrible feuds. I mean, let's not use that word terrible. It's going to lead to huge feuds with virus over control of the cancer barrels. Who's really the head man there with La Polvora getting pushed as, as a favorite of somebody else in the booking committee? They've got like one, one click likes Virus, one click likes Polvora, and another click likes Euphoria. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and Rossiel's the best of all of them, so yeah, what can you yeah. do? <laughs> now, here's the funny thing. I, despite all the CML promotional blunders, and there have been many, I enjoy watching the wrestlers in CMLL. I enjoy all the sombras, the mascaras, the... Uh, I like mascara. <laughs> yeah, I like mascara. Well, Averno is at my top of the list, though. I mean... Yeah, he's still uh, like But is there a word? Who is, is it any one person in the booking committee? Is it the whole of the booking committee? I mean, why do they keep coming up with these lame tournaments all the time and... Have they planned out their other tournament? No, they do. They they very much like tournaments. They like it. They like. They believe that having tournaments at the end result gets the winner of the tournament over. Doesn't always work that way, but they believe it. They are trying. Paco Alonso, on top of the promotion, is trying to satisfy people that have different philosophies about doing things. Ultima Guerrero likes to do things one way. Averno likes to do things the much more modern way. And Blue Panther likes to do things much more old school way. So Verno's in the booking committee too. Huh? Well, he's got he's he's, 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 he's listened to. He has okay. a lot of power, and mm-hmm. his da- his dad is on the booking committee just oh. at, at the very bottom bottom rung of the booking he committee. Squad of, uh, which is why they <laughs> never ever use him in an angle because he won't let him. Oh. He he mm. won't let himself be used in an angle. Oh, gotcha. Just or, the wind. Oh, maybe it was more black hats crossing. Yeah, my black hats are right. Yeah, there's Tiger. there's spirits roaming walnut hills. I can tell you, Tiger. you know. <laughs> well, they have they have so many different cliques, and they have a very uh, a person who is unchar uh, unquestioned on top. He's got the money. He's got he owns he signs the checks. He owns the building. He owns the contracts. And yet, is a very weak leader on top. And yeah. until they get a strong leader, either right below him or to replace him, this will continue forever. CMLL will continue have its occasional feuds that click, like La Mascara and Averno or whatever. <laughs> things things that come up suddenly that they can't mess up, and they'll have things that occasionally go really well, and then they'll have occasionally they'll have. Just tournaments because they're stuck and they don't have anything else to yeah. do, and they say, "Let's run the Leyenda de Plata this week or for the next three weeks or whatever." Or a tournament for a new champion or something. And so, so they'll have that, but for the most part, they what they their main goal is is to keep everybody who's currently on their staff employed and making money. So they don't have a sorting hat; they have a kind of chart they go through so that everybody gets enough bookings during the week that they hit the income level they want them to hit, right. and then they have certain things that they uh, that each click wants to do as far as pushing people or or getting people closer to the top they would like to have everybody be able to work either main events or semifinals somewhere around the country for little small shows and shopping malls and stuff Mm -hmm. you could use somebody like euphoria on top even before last night oh really so you know, for shopping and center stuff, where you, you know, I know, I'm thinking of running shows at a shopping center. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they do that. They, I mean, they, they have shows spring up in Mexico mm-hmm. that that you wouldn't even know existed, except that. Can I get? There su- are posters around the neighborhood. Can I get Super Commando 
for my nickname. You, you can, but you can't get Artieto. Oh. Sorry. Super Commander versus Robin Hood. <laughs> are these shop? <laughs> are well, these shopping? Robin, you can have Robin. Oh, that's right. Are Robin. these shopping centers? Are they the equivalent of here in Southern California for the last twenty or so years? Well, uh, it's very popular to have them at flea markets. And yeah, kind of more more like swap meet stalls. Swap, swap meets, yeah. things, indoor things that have stalls in them and stuff like that. There, I don't know that there are many shopping centers in, anywhere in Mexico that match. Well, there aren't any that match South Coast Plaza or, mm-hmm. or Del Amo um, or even Glendale Galleria. But what's, what's something that's really old and it used to be really nice and run down? Plaza Puente Hills? Yes, that's a perfect example, yeah. actually. They may, their, best, their best one in the whole country is, approaches that level. Okay. And most, like of a- them are, are most of them are, are, are even in less good repair and use less quality workmanship and you know, are a little more run down than that. What's the closest junkyard? <laughs> can they, like can we use, you know, you've been to the east. Use, you've been to the east. Have you ever been to the East LA College swap meet? Ever? Never. No, I'm saying junkyard. You know, like the pearls that. Yes, I know. No, I'm no, thinking no, we could do no, a, junk a junkyard type. Of, oh, they want to no, not no, say no, no, junkyards. No. 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 Okay. Okay. No. Those are worth a well, shot. East LA College swap meet would be just ideal. Or so the swap meets or the San okay. Diego swap meet that Kobe swap meet that swap they have at the San Diego Sports Arena. They, well, they don't have the same sort of things there because Mexico hasn't been in any wars. Yeah. They don't have any legionnaires. <laughs> no, <laughs> only can I the get US. them too? Can I get them booked on in legion halls oh, well, here in California? Here. In California? Why not? Why most just... most of the people can travel across the border. It's very few of them that can't travel across the border. It's very oh, funny right. that the U.S. tries to build this incredible border to keep people out, and yet wrestlers can just come yeah. through right and left and work <laughs> dates. And then you know, we should get Negro Novo. You get somebody like Solar. somebody like Dr. Sweet. Wagner Jr. who comes over here and gets arrested half the time. He's he comes over and has to spend the night in the can. That makes walks, him even more fascinating. Right back. Walks right back the next day and we we'll oh, back hilarious. to Mexico and work. You really, that's happened? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Hey, you and the white mask over there, didn't I tell you? <laughs> yeah. you got to go back to Mexico. That's, okay. that's my, that's, I'm a doctor. That's the next thing I want to do, based on this El Hijo del Santo lawsuit against AAA, is I want to show up in court wearing a mask. I would love that. It's to ask them, and when they tell me to remove the mask, I can't do it. <laughs> it's part of me. I can't do it. Hey, if great Sasuke it's, could do it in the Senate, it, you know, I you s- can do it in Japan, you can do it in Mexico, and in the U.S., you're probably not seeing the light of day for 20 years. <laughs> I want to see this lawsuit, like, them, the court battle be on court TV, and, like, have mm-hmm. witnesses coming in, like, Pirata Morgan coming in. <laughs> Morgan, Morgan, you swear to tell the whole truth? Him wearing his eye, the, the uh-huh. big old eye patch and everything. And when they ask him if he swears to tell the whole truth, he goes into Brudo mood and crosses himself, like, I swear upon <laughs> yeah. my mother, yes. Mm-hmm. Hector Garza shows up. I just, I'm just thinking the judge, the judge of the Santo case is probably going to say, "I'm sorry, we have to settle this in a cage match." No, jeez. Oh, that'd be well. Actually, I would, I would, I would love if they settled it in a cage match. Santo versus the wrestler Mexico. of Triple A's choice. And you can only imagine Triple A would complain because they can't lose. They're, they're going to lose. <laughs> Santo never loses. If Santo never loses, don't you think? <laughs> yes, but for Rob Bahari's sake, we must have a cage match in Mexico where Santo puts up his mask. Against Ringo Mendoza. Against the, uh, yes, against Ringo Mendoza putting up his hair. That's right. The funny thing is, is Ringo Mendoza is also on the booking committee, although he has no power. He doesn't care. He's really a trainer. And he, along with Satanico, have been the two over the last 10 years in CMLL who have been the most vi- vibrant or vigorous 
proponents of bringing in the new guys and cutting loose the old guard and telling the old guard it's time to retire. Makes move, sense. Move, get out of there, create new stars. Even if you have to sink or swim, it kind of like what Paco tried to do when Mystico left. He said, we're going to yeah, do what these guys. Yeah, guys and then all we're, of a sudden. We're going to make our own stars and we're just going to sink or swim on it. Then they kind of like switched to the tournament. And they ended up, they ended up with Rush as yeah. the guy that was the I, breakout star. I was going to ask, do we know whose idea the tournaments are? I would love to know whose idea it is because I just... Well, they, it's, it's just endemic to the organization. CML, if you ever talk to um, Chad, uh, American Gigolo, or um, Dorothy Lee or Mike or anybody that, anybody from the U.S. who's been down there, mm-hmm. they will tell you song and dance about how CMLL is the most hidebound, stuck in its old way of doing things, mm-hmm. traditional, will not listen to new ideas organization on the planet. And they're probably right. There probably isn't another one in the whole planet yeah. that just refuses to comply with modern um, theories of running businesses and won't look at... at uh, we'll use the phrase we're doing it this way because it worked in the past as their leading mantra for for making all their decisions. Well, but here's the thing. You know, tournaments in Lucha Libre have always been kind of mediocre with a few exceptions. Mm-hmm. But it seems like they've gone into full gear with them. It seems like they have them all the time where they had them in the past, but not yeah, well, at the race. Tournaments allow, when you have different people that want to push different people, they allow mm-hmm. people to get important wins yeah. during the course of them and keep your clicks satisfied. So over the course of time, if you have click A, click B, and click C, and for whatever reason over the last 30 years, it's always been three clicks. It's never two, never mm-hmm. four, never five. It's always three clicks, excuse me. Gesundheit. That well, <laughs> It was... That's, Stupid liquor you're throwing down my throat. That's right, fire water. <laughs> trying, trying to be straight edge. I throw my own leg. You can get you more of that, by the way. Um, Steve's it's, trying to be straight edge, and Kurt's it's, influence it's, is affecting him. He's pouring. I am corrupting Doctor Lucha. He's, he's <laughs> pouring Sinatra smashes down my throat. The the problem with CMLL and its um, tournaments, to me, I'll get to in a second. But the reason they keep doing them so much is. It allows a weak leader to keep three of his cliques happy at the same time. So he might have a tournament where the favorite of click A wins this time, but click B and click C get an important win during the interim. So you might get something where, um, um, you know, the world champion might be Hector Garza and he loses in 44 seconds in the first round of the tournament to Ray Bucanero. But that's because Ray Bucanero is part of click C. Hector Garza is favored by Click A. Click A got him as champion. Click C hasn't had an important win in a while. Who did Tanahashi lose to so, in that tournament last year? I forget. Was it Ultima Guerra or something? I forget. We can look it up. Yeah. I can look it up later. It's funny that I like Rush as much as I do because he's the only one that, that is actually getting... You're nobody's, nobody's pushing him. Nobody particularly likes him. But everybody realizes that he's five years from now is going to be the star of the promotion, and so they're protecting him in a way, in a sort of way. You mean know, he still does jobs and stuff, but you can tell by the way they're booking at him that he is the he's the star right around the corner on that. Now, back to tournaments. The reason I don't like tournaments, as I said on Brian's show a couple of times, when you have a tournament, and especially the Universal tournament where they have the sixteen champions go in together. 
and then you have a champion of champions. What that means is you have your 15 of your 16 champions do clean jobs yeah. in a two-week period. And I hate that. I hate mm-hmm. that with a passion. I think that is the worst booking you could possibly do. It absolutely kills your championships, and it doesn't help any of the wrestlers, too. It doesn't help the one that you get put over as the champion of champions as much as it takes away from the guys that do 44-second jobs in the first round Yes, in getting the tournament And that's the part I don't understand in the rationalization of, okay, we're going to have a tournament to give important wins to somebody. Why do you need a tournament to do that? Why can't a guy get pinned just in a match that's being held just for the sake of having a match? I I agree with that a little bit. I agree with that a little bit. I would say, why do you do it so often? I think a champion of champions tournament combined in the Olympics at the same time during the same year they do the Olympics, you know, Mm -hmm. in August every four years. Is a fabulous idea, yeah. and you can mm-hmm. have your 15 champions do jobs every four years that time. Why not the minis champions? When you this? protect them. You could, I mean, you could, <laughs> you could do lots of things. Yeah. I think, it is, in theory, it can be made to work, but doing it every year, along with lots of other tournaments, that your champion of your universal champion tournament, like La Sombra, happened to have lost in the previous two tournaments... And you know the bad thing is that they didn't even make the final of those. So the, the times they don't do tournaments, they do torneo cyberneticos. <laughs> so you're, yeah, you're basically it. getting that's like it. even more. Yes, you're getting Every, even more. Nine out of ten people do jobs. Yeah, so it's like you're just getting this stuff over and over. Right, again. and it's like charity booking basically. Just 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 wrestle for the sake of wrestling. Yes. Damn it, that's what yes. it's all about. We had about. this discussion amongst the people who were at Fort Lauderdale for WrestleMania, and I think a lot of people agree with my well, not my theory, a theory I have that is really been growing the last six months is that parody wrestling has been given a chance, an honest chance yeah. the last mm-hmm. five years and it's n- not necessarily good thing. It's a good, I don't think it is successful for business. I think it is a better thing for professional wrestling to have a class of wrestlers that are well above the others and are highly protected. Mm-hmm. Like Rush. Well, whatever. Exactly. Any promotion. I mean, no, any yes, promotion Rush. anywhere. But like Rush. Steve, you could do it. You were on the Rush bandwagon before anybody else. <laughs> you were prophetic. You were the I one was, I only was said The that. original time, I only said is, I, I broke in at the very end of a podcast once when Brian was ready to sign off and said, I wanted to note that I think this guy has a lot of potential. You were ahead and you were right. In the words of Dr. Jerry Graham, all night long you have been philosophizing and prophesying and Rush <laughs> is the future. Well, and I love, seriously, I love one of the, the reaction reasons, he gets from the audience. Yeah, one of the reasons he is is because CMLL is doing such a backhanded way of getting him over by creating nothing but clones of Mystico as yeah. your mm-hmm. top baby faces. If Lucky Pierre were the only person in, in, instead of Rush in the in their promotional lineup, who well, or let's say Vandal Trauma, because wrestle, have to, it has to be I somebody think, who wrestles without a. I pass. think Lucky Pierre has to start in that Grand Alternativa first. Yes. God help them if they ever get me. <laughs> if Vandal Trauma were there, you would still be more over than you would think because <laughs> you are the one. Well, see, that's, that's different. Everybody else is a clone of Mystico. True. Well, it's kind of like I tell Kurt the fans know that when he works on the local indie scene. You're the only one that doesn't do the the like those uh, who doesn't rustle the style that the indie style wrestlers use now. It sticks out. Yeah, you're you're rustling a style that's more of an eighty style or ninety style. Exactly. Yeah. I, I I say do what nobody else is doing on the show yeah. to get a reaction. And uh, well, and same when I used to wrestle on lucha shows before there were a lot of uh, gringos on the show. Yeah. Just me being white would elicit booze, and I didn't mm-hmm. even have to do cheap heat like saying anything about. 
their ethnicity, which I wasn't going to do anyways. All I had to do was pout and act like a brat, and they would just, you know, scream, huero, huero, you know. Just, yeah. mm-hmm. it, it was easy heat. I thought there was just shout started with the letter C-U-L. I could have been both. It could have been. I think they called me a lot of different yeah. things. But, you know, I, 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 oh, I remember, I think it was like Greg Regalado's third or fourth match, and it was in Santa Ana. And uh, it, was a, it was an all Latino crowd, and he was eagerly saying, I really want to try being a heel. And I was saying, Well, okay, you want to try it? Be a heel tonight. He went out there and got, like, polite response. Then I went out there and they immediately just started whistling and booing and, you know, throwing mm-hmm. crap at me. And I said, sorry, Greg, not tonight. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how that works, though, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Certain things, even today, when Volador Jr. wrestles Prince Devitt, you would think as much as the magazines and the newspapers tried to warn the fans at the time, like Prince Devitt is technically as good a wrestler as there is on planet Earth right now. A very he's clean really wrestler. special he should be treated with respect and stuff. As soon as he gets in the singles match with Volador Jr., it's xenophobia from, mm-hmm. or patriotism, depending on which side of the coin you want to look at. Yeah. Some of the fans who don't care about work rate, they don't care about styles. There's a Mexican against a non-Mexican. That's yeah. it. It's funny how, you know, I'm sure it's been going on all the time, but sometimes they just want to shove an idea or a concept down the fan's throat, and you can't just twist their arm all the time. They're going to like what they like. Mm-hmm. In in Mexican Lucha Libre, it is still true to a lot of fans that they go to the shows as a way of catharsis and as a way mm-hmm. of getting a little relief from the the daily struggle they have getting ahead, and and they have a real love hate relationship with people from any other foreign country, especially white people from other foreign mm-hmm. country, <laughs> and whether it's Ireland or even Japan. Oh right? man, those Irish, <laughs> whatever. I mean, <laughs> As you, but as you can tell, as you can tell, it's just you know, it's a chance to boo the man. Steve, what I want to talk about now is the big feud that's going to be starting up soon. We're starting a feud. Valiente versus Namahague. Oh, that is going to be the, the probably the feud. greatest feud of all That'll time. That will be the greatest feud of all time. Talk to me. First, talk to me. first, Valiente is going to reveal the true secrets behind how you can go from a thirty-five-year-old <laughs> to a fat guy, two hundred and seventy-five pounds or something. Fat, fat, short, squat, super astro guy on on not on steroids, but on nothing but it's like Superboy, basically, but like, McDonald's ooh. and Burger King. Yeah, to like looking like. To, to the real winner of the uh, last year's um, bodybuilding contest, CMLL, the uncrowned champion. What? Wait, 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 wait. I, I have no idea how that could happen. It must be a magical diet or something. <laughs> it, must, it must be. At age 35 or 36, he suddenly found the way to nothing but pure muscles. Could I, at age 50, turn out like him? <laughs> if Yes, if you follow his regimen. Oh, dear. I heard I might lose my hair if I do that, though. Yeah. <laughs> you might lose a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't count on children anytime yeah. soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, after going chemotherapy, that's a, that's a can't do that later. anyway. Okay, well, so that's that's behind yes, me. Once once Valiente can explain that. Sorry, sorry about that, Cecilia. We don't mean to offend your <laughs> favorite wrestler of all time. But first, he's going to teach Namahawe the the lesson, the life lessons he's learned on how to get your body in fine, tip top wrestling shape. And then it'll be the the moonsault off the top rope against Nahawe is just a a bundle of 
willingness to try every and any creative dive. I'm sure within six to nine months he will be ranked first on Rob Bahari's list of greatest wrestlers currently <laughs> wrestling in Mexico. That's he, where he and I part company. He will have more innovative new dives that nobody has thought of yet. That is where he and I part company. I just want the, the sleek physique of the energy. I don't want to do any of the dives. <laughs> Screw but, that. But you'll wear the mask, right? I'll wear the mask. Yeah, the mask looked like a carpet on top. <laughs> Still, lucky Pierre card. Let's, let's just good. assume you ran a match. Let's assume you ran a card in, say, Simi Valley mm-hmm. these days. And let's assume you had six or seven American matches on there, and then you suddenly threw a Lucha Libre match out with dives. How well do you think it would get over? Well, you guys could tell me that because you saw the Lucha Libre match in Simi Valley uh, on that show, it, it was quite. It was so different in style, and it was so well executed amongst yeah. the two guys that did it. It got over very well, even though nobody had ever heard of the two guys before. The mm-hmm. match wasn't advertised. Yeah. It wasn't even sure, according to the promoter, that it was even going to happen at all for the last <laughs> minute. <laughs> it was supposed to happen like the the match before that. Was it? And then it wasn't happening, and then it, just, yeah, and then it, it was happening. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just glad it happened, though. It was probably the best match that night. So. It, that's what I've been is, hearing. Yes. yes, yes. For for <coughs> for a lucha fan, that's like the mm-hmm. and and there were those around us who are not weren't big lucha fans who responded to it very well too. And there's, I still think there's a market for this, but I, I'm just sad to say that with the way wrestling business has, and promotion has turned out the last ten years, things are at a very down cycle right now. Yeah, and I, I do think there's something to what I said earlier about when there is an athletic commission. In California, I mean, I'm kind of glad it's gone just because if you want to promote a show, it's great to be able to promote a show. On the other hand, promoters had a lot more incentive to make a show work because you had to pay for a ringside doctor. You had to pay for licenses. There were so many hoops you had to jump through just to do a show. So when they promoted a show, it was rare that they wouldn't bust their ass to put butts in the seats, you know? Not that certain promoters aren't trying to put... No, some are trying. People in the seat. Some are it's trying. It's hard. It's it's a gamble now. Yeah, and and like I said, it's a, it's a secret. Shows are a secret. You have to look for them. They should be in your face. That's why you should join Facebook. Like yes, <laughs> like like any modern business. If you're starting up a business, you have to figure out. The first thing you really have to figure out is can a profit be made from it? Because mm-hmm. if you're going to end up in the end losing money, no matter how much you love your business, you've got to. This, go ahead and write off that money and say, I'm going to lose $50,000 this year. I'm just going to throw it away on running a wrestling promotion. And I understand it's not coming back. If you want to make money on it, then you have to understand or do the research and find out where do I get my revenue from? Mm -hmm. Is it going to be from ticket sales? Is it going to be from any kind of merchandise? I get an override on at the arena. Is concessions I get? Then where will my best venue be? Who do I need to bring in and what do I need to pay them? You need to kind of work backwards. It's like it's really like running any other small business. Yeah. It's if you look at the business side very dispassionately first and come back to the creative side at the end, I think there's enough talent of wrestlers in the US to put on a profitable show. Southern California would be the best place, I would think, because you have the advantage of being mm-hmm. able to run lucha style or Japanese style or yeah, American style. You can book Kurt Brown three times. <laughs> Save money. Only for, three. Three-minute matches. <laughs> Only three. That's a, a, that was like, he's cutting back. Yeah, he's cutting back. <laughs> 
That's right. Last weekend in Simi Valley, I worked four times under three different identities. Yeah. That was fun, actually. It, it made me feel like I was back in incredibly strange wrestling. Yeah. Yes, I still say you got jobbed and you're, you're challenged for the women's title. Your shoulders were not down. They weren't. They were not and down, and that referee was not looking closely you, enough. You want to know the funniest part? And I'm not joking. I was trying to keep them down. <laughs> <laughs> My opponent kept lifting them up. <laughs> I didn't demand that's not a, a joke I either. demand a rematch. I kept on trying to keep my shoulder on the ground, and they wouldn't stay there. Uh. I felt like a turtle. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we move on to uh, subjects outside of CMLL... Uh, there are subjects? <laughs> Some. There's well, life outside he, he of wants, CMLL? He wants to know about DTU. Oh, good. We're going to talk <laughs> to the Dodgers. We're going to talk to the Dodgers and the Lakers. Oh, yeah. There no, you we're going to talk Tim Lintz comes. That's who we're talking <laughs> Tim about. Tim comes. Um... Well, first off, well, one of two things. One, one of the things I love about Rush is I love how spontaneous he is. I love how occasionally he'll be right in the middle of a high spot, and if he hears some jeers, he stops dead and just looks over at the fans and then He's continues. He's a great heel. He's a great he is heel. a great, great mm-hmm. heel. Yes. Now, the second thing before we depart CML, L, is it still... Uh, the way it has been for many years where they could essentially run like this forever with a combination of the fact that they own a lot of the arenas and they have such a low pay scale, can they still drift like this? Yes, they could. could. Well, I don't know about eternity because eventually (laughs) if you don't pay talent enough, you won't have enough good talent to come. And as if MMA and boxing, boxing with Canelo um, Alvarez and J.C. Chavez Jr., if it makes a comeback in Mexico and MMA ever catches on and young kids growing up mm-hmm. do as they do now in the U.S., they look at these things and say, well, I'd rather train in MMA than train to be a pro wrestler or whatever, and your talent pool starts to dry up, then you're dealing with you know kind of like an all-Japan women's mm-hmm. phenomenon where eventually the talent... What kills you, you have all the money, you have all the business acumen and stuff, but you just don't have the wrestlers that you can make stars out of. If CMLL does die, I think that's what it will die of one day. It's just the fact of continually doing the same thing over and over again in the talent pool eventually dries up to to nothing. Um, What do you personally think are the odds that boxing will resurge and MMA will blossom in Mexico? In, In what time frame? In, like say, forever? The next, next 10 years, let's in say. In the next 10 years, I would say boxing is going to have a very small resurgence, highlighted about two or three years from now, whenever the two prior mentioned boxers actually have their very first match with each other. That will be the highlight of that. And MMA, I do expect it to catch on, but you know, it's actually it's not as big now in the U.S. as it has been in the past, in large part because they are having... They're so interested in having a legitimate sport, they're not creating stars. They're, I mean, Kane Velasquez, the big... The big... The big... The big uh, <laughs> that, that was the show, right? We, yep, that we yeah. were at. No, the, yes. big, the big beef I have had with MMA over the while is when Kane Velasquez was champion, he was... You couldn't find him. They, did abs- they, they didn't do... I mean, they tried. He wouldn't do it. They, they were unable to make a big star out of him. They were. They had somebody who should have been the most marketable boxer, wrestler, MMA fighter on the planet, and they weren't able to do anything with him. And they need people that will sell tickets. Personalities sell tickets. They have John Jones. They have George St. Pierre. 
and they have a couple of other people that are right below that, and that's it. That's it. Everybody mm-hmm. else, they're trying to sell as the title sells the <coughs> tickets or the UFC sells the tickets. And they'll be able to maintain the audience, but I don't know they'll be able to maintain the audience paying $1,500 a seat. And uh, on top of that is we're seeing right now that it's slightly different circumstances, but Roller Derby's first really huge surge collapsed after they overexposed it on TV. Wrestling, that's happened to several occasions. Mm-hmm. In Roller Derby's case, if I remember right, it was one. It was just one promotion that was the TV network just wanted to throw it on night after night, and it burned people out. But now you have tons of smaller organizations, you know, Bellator and stuff, putting it on TV right and left. Plus, UFC is promoting so many shows, so many pay per views that you know. Yeah, yep, I'm, yep, not sure. Sure. I'm not sure. Somebody more expert, somebody like Oliver or, or Todd or, or Benji or somebody else that I will see next weekend in mm-hmm. Atlanta will have to tell me why that they that things are down. But things are definitely down. There's no doubt about mm-hmm. it. Things are down. It may be no more than the fact that the promotions can't the promotion can't actually promote the fights it wants because the the actual sport itself and training for it requires such a level of physical activity yeah. people get too hurt in training and they have to constantly change matches mm-hmm. and change matches on top it may be endemic to the sport that it will never solve that problem that's that to be good at it you have to practice at such a level that you really risk getting hurt during practice mm-hmm. and you can't reliably promote a, a main event out of that it's it's, it's a real Luchador. it's a yeah. luchador that's right Cain Velasquez will yeah, be the next be big thing yeah he should be a luchador well I think Cain Velasquez should try to get heel heat in Southern California I and think Cain Velasquez should wrestle Conan Big in Monterey yeah. Well, first fall pro wrestling. You know, you know, Conan is going to be second. Yeah, I know. That's why I wanted to know more about that. <laughs> first Big fall neurosis. pro wrestling rules. Second fall lucha libre rules. I take third fall MMA rules. Fourth fall. You've roll- clearly not seen a Conan big match because <laughs> first fall is going to be five on one versus Conan big. Okay, I'll pay to see that. Kenny Velasquez and two clowns. I'll pay to see that. A a ninety-two-year-old television commentator. Yeah, (laughs) commentators. Maybe a woman thrown in. A woman. Fourth fall. Uh Roller derby rules. Yeah, they have to fight on roller skate. They have to pass. I think they would probably do that. Mm -hmm. I'd love to see Conan Big on roller skates. Have you seen Conan Big? I think you have, right? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. He has not seen me. Thank God. Thank God. Triple A tried to use him last year in Monterey, and they even get him involved in the in the post-match brawl with the angles and he was out of his league in that yeah he's he's wow. basically a Monterey type of he's amazingly yeah, popular he's, you can't believe he other than Santos mask matches he draws better than any wrestler in Mexico yeah <laughs> oh my people, lord people will it's because they're all freak matches but yeah. he, he the promoter invent is so inventive he'll keep who's the freak he's opposing so different each time. So there's the key. We got to get a hold of that promoter and well, Carlos him. Elizondo will let you get a hold of him. Okay, there you go. There you go. He, he's so that's what just that me. kind of guy. That's what fascinates me as a guy. He's 400 who, pounds, but he's just that kind of guy. <laughs> Six foot one and he's tons of fun. He no, no, he's team. five foot one and okay, tons he's of five fun. foot one and he's tons of fun. He fun and uh-huh. he okay. Uh, but, but that's something that intrigues me is when you can promote a Conan big and make it work, even though he doesn't work, really. You know, 
No, but he doesn't look any different than the other guys in the promotion. There aren't a lot of guys in the promotion that are out there doing La Sombra's yeah. stuff mm-hmm. or Dr. Wagner's map work stuff. They're all independent wrestlers of that ilk. Gotcha, of gotcha. That ilk. It's a really trippy promotion. <laughs> then I've Monterey. got to see it. I've got. To well, see I think it. you've seen the the clips of that Hamelos Muerte or, Ma, or Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I have. Yeah. I've seen Hamelos. They'll draw Muerte. really well one show, and then like the next show will be like ten Nothing. people. Yes, yes. <laughs> the like, and Cantabas. Yeah, I know. I, I I sat there watching that clip. I didn't realize that was who we were talking about. But the Hamelos Muerte, I'm saying, God, I want to like these guys. I really want to like them. Yeah, but it just really didn't happen. Level. Really indie, yeah. indie level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some guys, they'll have, like, one week they'll have, like, really good worker, and all of a sudden, like, that really good worker's working with somebody that you've never heard of. Mascara Pupura. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, is he still around? Yeah, he's he, still he's around. Still occasionally. In Montreal. Yes. No. I remember sending results. The only person I know who ago. told CMLL and Paco when he was in the process of getting a push to shut it. Really? Go away, yeah. yeah. Trip it's, out. It was, over, it was over money. Oh, that's all I've been told. It was over money. He wasn't that good, anyways. Huh? He wasn't that good. Yeah, but he was. He was. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm kind of glad he quit. <laughs> you know, at, the, at that same time, he was better than Rush, who was getting no push. You know, just just coming into the. Wasn't he? I think he may have left before Rush. Before Rush even came. I think so. I mean, Rush was terrible when he started getting pushed, but somebody clearly, Rush was, somebody somewhere, Rush clearly always, saw the potential. Rush was not always the, the reality. Rush was always, yeah, always had the shoulders and arms and everything. Wow. But he hasn't been hurt in a while, and he's gotten now he's gotten passable. He, he doesn't make rookie mistakes anymore. Yeah. And I guess this would be a good place to shift over to Triple A. Uh, yes, which I I like <laughs> Caravana Stellar. Yes, I. Uh, Kirk doesn't watch Triple A. I don't. So I don't watch it when it's not on TV here. Although that's no. I excuse. wouldn't tell your next guest that. I could find it. <laughs> I could find it on YouTube pretty easily. Uh, so I I actually do. Do you want to catch up on it? But what is the current state of AAA? What are we looking at here? AAA is having its 20th anniversary. Bravo. AAA was founded in 1992 by Antonio Pena from cutting off from CMLL. And the first show was May 15th. The first press conference was May 7th. So we're coming up on the 20th anniversary um, dates to the date. And April, around April, I have to go back to the Friday that's closest to about April the 20th was the day that Pena walked in and said, and Conan walked in and said, don't book us anymore. We're, we're, we're resigning from the promotion. They didn't tell him anymore yeah. because the day that the press conference actually happened when Paco Alonso came into work um, on May the 7th, 1992, um, around noontime and the press conference had already started, somebody came in to tell him the news that, oh, Pena's starting up a new promotion to run against you. And he was like, he had no idea. Wow. He had no idea. And somebody said, the next thing they said is, he's got with him Santos, and Caras, and, <laughs> and Conan, and stuff. And Paco, being Paco, says, that's funny, I have Conan's work papers right here. Oh. And he would proceed to screw with Conan mm-hmm. royally for yeah. the next 60 days. Jeez. Because Conan had forgotten to secure, on his release, had forgotten, or just never crossed his mind, right. to get his work papers back. And but that was the beginning. And that is a story. If you want to hear more, you'll have to come to the next Lucha World podcast. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. It'll be bitching. Yes, he has some stories there that you don't wouldn't even believe. I don't know if he wants them out on the air, but he has some stories you wouldn't believe. Don't about, worry, about, we'll record it. 
about those Yeah, things. we swear we're not. We don't have the recorder on. So tell us yeah. what you feel. Tell us everything you feel. Those we don't have days. the recorder on. <laughs> triple, so triple A, the, theoretically, what they should be doing with this year and what they intend to do, I think, is take the middle section of the year and make it a 20th anniversary celebration. It's, you know, it's just a, a round number. You could say, well, 25 is bigger than 20, or 10 is bigger than 20, or whatever, but this will be the 20th Triple Mania coming up this year, and that is what they are um, setting their sights on. They want to make it a really big show. However, I don't think they think their matches are all that hot at the moment, and they've really got to work on something and heat it up. Plus, they are very happy with the crew they have now. I don't get this overly the sense, at least at the moment, they're very interested in having people get sh- their hair shaved or their masks mm-hmm. taken off. I'm not sure they're convinced that, let's say they wanted to, which, which is one I know that is not in the cards. Let's say they wanted to run Dr. Wagner Jr. against L.A. Park or Park or Octagon in a mask match. I know none of those is on the line, but even if they did, even if it were, I think they believe that the business is not at such a level now in the country that it would be a smart business move to run it, even at a special show like Triple Mania 20. So they're going to have some matches that are big but not gigantic because they're not quite convinced yet that in Mexico City they're going to draw enough money to have gigantic payoffs and make gigantic um, business decisions. So I think we're going to see... Matches of the kind like um, um, uh, Macias defending the mega title against Paraguayo Jr., who was always sell, sells tickets in Mexico City. Um, even in his own promotion, he had much better luck at Salad de Armas than he did at most places. Um, I think they want to run... Um, Joe Leader versus Nicho. Well, they want to do that. But I mean, <laughs> more on top. I think they, they want to have something with... With Wagner and his crew against the Consejo crew, that will eventually lead to the. They, well, they want to see if they can elevate Mascara Anudo Smil Jr. Oh, there are those who think it can't. <laughs> it cannot be done. It can't be. It, to me, they need. Why does it have to be done? <laughs> well, they need. What they, they need is Consejo. El Consejo was a great angle, but suddenly you had Argos Cemental, Mortiz. Yeah. Suddenly, all the people who were joining it were people that were opening match wrestlers and CML on the way. Everybody mean? picked up on it, and they started to treat the El Consejo angle as yes, these are opening match guys. Yeah. Ah. So they, they are trying to separate Tejano, Toscano, and a third guy. Cemental. And the third guy... I'll try to talk. There you go. I'll try to talk somebody into well, elevating You can try and talk to them. <laughs> the third guy, they think... Looking at everything they know, that they can make. He's my Facebook friend. Come is on. Is Oscar Agnello Smil Jr. Cemental is my Facebook friend. Cemental, Cemental, right? Oh, it's Triple A. Oh, okay. He changed we, it. He made sure. <laughs> oh dear, we got to pass that word along. Yeah. Who is Facebook friends yeah. with? So, so yeah. they want to elevate. They want to give Oscar Agnello Smil a chance to see if he can be elevated to be the third guy and make it a main event heel trio. Yeah. We'll see if that works. The people in the U.S. are very down on the idea. The people in Mexico seem to think. You know, they work with him every day. That there is enough potential there, they might be able to make a star out of him. So we'll Wasn't see. Another I, first off, first off, they got to get rid of that name. That name is just no, 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 no. Mascar Dos Mil Junior. Yeah, they've got to get rid of that. Call him anything else. Call him El Hijo de Question Mark or something. El Hijo de Solitario. I think that's <laughs> that is literally almost the worst <laughs> name you could have. Now, now El Hijo del Doctor Wagner Junior. Would you would you call El Hijo 
Dave Solitario, the worst second-generation wrestler yes. since oh, George yes. Goulas. He is widely <laughs> agreed that in Mexico that he is the worst second-generation. Use, use of a, a real star's father I know. to the son, the drop-off, was just absolutely so phenomenal. So he is, he is a Mexican George Goulas. Yes. He is yes. Jorge Goulas. He's, He's worse than that. You gotta oh watch. You gotta watch his match with Hijo Santo, where it's just him, Hijo Santo, him just standing around. Hijo Santo hits a tope on him. I actually did see just, that. Yeah, he just keeps going. I remember seeing him. I remember seeing him on and off on TV. Uh, like I think it was a good twenty years ago, and just thinking this guy yeah. reeks. And then I'd see him a few years later and said, "This guy still reeks." It's just, I, it, it, no, yeah. And it, it tells you how bad he is that. That Santo can live off his father's reputation. El Hijo de Santo is actually an excellent worker oh, really, who mm-hmm. knows what he's doing in the ring perfectly. His timing is just perfect. I mean, he's not the world's greatest athlete. I mean, he's kind of mechanical with his movements, but he is an excellent worker, knows exactly what he's doing. Blue Demon Jr. is a decent worker who at least cannot embarrass. No, no, no. no. He cannot <laughs> embarrass his name, but compared to Solitario. Somebody's Demon, Facebook friends with Blue Demon Jr. Blue Demon <laughs> Blue Demon Jr. is Ric Flair compared to Solitario. Yeah, yeah, I'll agree with that. I'll agree with that. Okay, well, let, let, let's say, let's say, Yuhei de Santo is Ric Flair. Solitario is George Goulish. Uh, so, so uh, can we call Blue Demon Jr. Tully Blanchard? Oh, no, it's not that. He's not that. <laughs> He's more like Lex Luger. Without okay. the, yeah, yeah, the yeah, muscles. Yeah, yeah. Who is Lex Luger? You know, that's actually... could be could be carried can be yeah, carried with the right carried, person yeah. to a really good match. I mean, Whoa. I saw Lex Luger against Ricky Steamboat. Oh, dudes, dudes, you who, would not who is, believe. But who is Lex Luger's father, man? <laughs> I don't know. You have to ask Superman. Oh dear. Okay, <laughs> Superman. Uh, now it's been a while since I've seen AAA, but the one thing, the last time I was watching AAA, all I could think of is. How totally bitchin' is Jack Evans? That guy is like the most bitchin' wrestler they have. He is. He's, he's, he's more over as a singles wrestler now than he used to be. He used to be really considered a tag wrestler. Mm-hmm. And to a large extent, that's what he was. Isn't he a tag champ, though? Well, that's beside me. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, that's what I always thought. When he was like, especially when he was with Teddy now Hart, I just kept on thinking, oh, this poor guy's just going to always be a tag Teddy wrestler. Teddy Hart is back. What? Don't forget, Teddy Hart is back. He's back and he's after Jack Evans. Yeah. Okay. You didn't know that, huh? <laughs> no, you yeah. haven't watched Triple A in a while. I haven't. Teddy Hart's back. No, but, but Jack but Evans was having a great feud with Paraguayo Jr. Under, and you can classify that one under the, the old motto that styles make fights, and it's true in mm-hmm. wrestling and MMA and stuff, that those two really play off each other's strengths and weaknesses yeah. very well. Really do. And they, they, they created a very interesting conundrum. They're not running the mat. They were setting up for a hair match, and they're not running at Triple Mania, which I think they probably should. But they're not running it in large part for two reasons. One is they feel that, which is true, the fans will know the outcome. Anybody mm-hmm. who's got a brain knows Clearly, what's going to happen. Clearly, Jack is going to win. And secondly, at Triple Mania, they feel they're go- they're probably going to go into an arena that needs to sell twenty two thousand tickets, mm-hmm. and his name at the top just isn't going to sell the tickets. Yes. not yet. Are they going to book the Alamo Dome? <laughs> no, they're looking at what they're looking at is that new arena, Ciudad de Mexico, oh, yeah, yeah. that has, is now open and has no dates. And so they're able to really play it against Palacio de los Bordes yeah. and drive the price down. Yeah, that's it. So they're, they're looking at it. By the time you talk to Conan, he'll know which one they're going to yeah. or, or whether they're going to 
to Oriental or wherever else they're going to. But they're in a unique situation right now because Plaza Mexico is getting rid of bullfighting, which is just ridiculous. Oh, jeez. How can they do that? It, it, it's, it's just, it's conf- it, uh, if you know yeah. anything about bullfighting and, and getting your Novato, getting, getting your um, promotion to mastery can only be done at like three bull rings in the world. Mm-hmm. Plaza Mexico is one of them. Yeah. And the other two are in Spain. It, like This is throwing the bullfighting world into just an uproar. Why is, it, clo- r- why is it stopping? I don't know. Oh. I, Interesting. Maybe we should start a bullfighting blog. But, I mean, they've got, <laughs> that <laughs> was the side of Triple Mania 1, so if there are certain reasons why having a major card there this year would make sense. That would be great. It's, well, Teddy Hart, I think, would be into wrestlers fighting bulls. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. He would take on a bull. Yeah, that would be we awesome. We should interview Of Teddy course, Conan could should. fight a career versus career match. Now, if, <laughs> now, uh, if Teddy Hart is going to utilize a cat in one of his AAA feuds, will it be one of the cats that belong to Stu, or rather one of the Ospreys? He's going to take Gato Everready. Gato Everready will be back. That's what I have well, been waiting to hear. Drago? Oh, please, please. Gato Everready was the hottest thing they had. Isn't, isn't Drago like what you use to clean out the, the, your pipes? <laughs> <laughs> your pipes in the, in the sink. <laughs> you, you pour the yeah. stuff down your sink. In America, they call it Drago. Drago. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. I've tried to tell people from Mexico... That word "bimbo" on the side of your bakery truck yeah, doesn't mean yes. anything. Yeah. <laughs> they oh, don't God, get it. Yeah. I didn't even realize that guy was so filthy rich. The guy who owns Bimbo. Really? Yeah. It's like one of the richest men in the world. Oh my lord! Can he spare a million dollars for us? Yes, yeah, so we could run. Well, that's the trouble with Mexico's economy, though. Is they have like ten of the five hundred richest people in the world. Yeah. They have. 400 of the 500 poorest people in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, everything's widely split. Wow, man. Um, well, in fact, that's one of the reasons I but was... Yeah, tri- I that's, so, so AAA is coming up with Triple Mania, and everything they're doing right now mm-hmm. is to focus on Triple Mania, but it looks like they're having a show with a lot of... N- they're not going to have the great big knockoff match I wanted. I had wanted them to have Wagner versus either Parker Parker in a mask yeah. match mm-hmm. to make this like the show of all time. And then Macias versus Cybernetico in a hair match for the semifinal. And neither, neither one is... I don't think Cybernetico... Either one's happy. Well, actually, if I were booking, Macias. Cybernetico would lose. You miss, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Would lose at triple I wouldn't. If I was booking, he would always win. But Cybernetico <laughs> would be the greatest rust. There'd be no such thing. There'd be as a no job. losing for Cybernetico. My he, advice, would be, he would be the Elijo del Santo. My advice to Cybernetico would be no job. <laughs> but you know, Santo Santo is a very is the most old school booker and promoter I know because mm-hmm. he does everything by booking one oh one book, the classic eighties book. Everything is yeah. he just, you know, does the jobs to build up. He's always got two or three people beating him, never one. And then he always gets to the the final match where he's risking his match, and it goes exactly by the book. And there's people, never any variation, and people eat it up. And there, and I I remember Jeff Walton telling me that uh, when he first started working in Jules Strongbow's office in the mid 1960s, they're talking over some major angle, and Jules Strongbow just proposed, and you know, uh, just a, a slightly tweaked version of an angle they did three years earlier. And somebody said, well, we just did that. And he said, old works. And I, I know you have to modernize the business to some mm-hmm. extent, but uh, I, I think there are some formulas that, even though you think they should die out, they're going to keep working. Well, you should we, probably check it. 
We we think that. I don't want to say it loud, but we think that. But they certainly they certainly don't always think that way in modern age. In the modern age, there's the assumption that a if especially if you're on TV, that you've got to have a certain amount of TV ratings to keep on the network, or the network will use something else. You've got to keep your sponsors happy. And to do that, you've got to have stuff that has TV peaks, not necessarily peaks for long-term viewership that will grow your ratings from 3.0 to 3.1 to 3.2, but, you know, quick, quick, bouncing, interesting TV things, or somebody's going to flip the channel. Yeah. And especially as, you know, at the top of the hour and the bottom of the hour, you've always got to have something going on, never commercials, have your big angles at the top and the bottom of the hour, all that sort of things. true. And, U.S. true in Mexico, but it's it's much more there. Booking has become so much different, more because and more changes have been because of television Mm -hmm. than for anything else. Now, being the historian, one of the premier historians of lucha libre, Fredo. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) What would you like to know, Kurt? Okay. Yes. Yes. What would you like to know? Um, what is your favorite color? Black, of course. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Steve, if you could go back pre nineteen seventy and witness any lucha event or any uh, oh, it's surf music. It's gratuitous surf music. Hawaii Five O is on. We have to conclude this very suddenly. <laughs> now we'll hear Kurt's phone call conversation. It's, 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 oh my god, it's from Ricky Ataki. Oh, wow. Well, I'll call him back later. It's no doubt about... Uh, oh. I guess he wants to wrestle me again. Yeah. Probably didn't, so. Didn't, didn't, didn't get enough of it. If there were a lucha match from the, pre, from, from the time frame of 1869 to 1969, mm-hmm. I <laughs> wish I had been at, the first choice would have been the El Santo versus Black Shadow match of mm. 1952, because... For three reasons. First off, it was considered at its time the ultimate possible match. The, kind of like Cena versus Rock, except there was a clear good guy and a clear bad guy. Santo was the bad guy. <laughs> Jack Lord is alive, people. Santo was Very the bad guy. Reference. And they had the ultimate good versus evil. That is how Salvador Lutheran promoted the match because he was fighting off somebody who was trying to do horn in on his territory through TV, oddly enough. And to everybody's surprise, the bad guy won. Mm-hmm. In the ultimate match of good versus evil, evil, which was Santo at that time, won, although they, they had a clean match. So I'd like to see that. I would have liked to have seen the very first match at Arena Coliseo in 1943 when um, El Santo and Tarzan Lopez had their match with each other. And from the 1960s, there were several times when they had Carlos Lagarde Sr. Mm-hmm. and Rene Guardo. How do you say that properly? Guardo. Guardo. Come in as a tag team. And I always heard such good things about them, you know, whether they were, whoever they were fighting, whether they were fighting um, Dory Dixon and Raymond Dozer, mm-hmm. whoever it might be. I would love to have seen a tag match with those guys from their prime. Now, some of the stuff from the 60s, even though uh, we can't get our hands on it, does exist on tape, as I understand. Yeah, there is. I mean, Televisa actually taped some things, even though they had a television show up to 1956, and they started again a television taping 
for their regional shows in 1982. Mm-hmm. So there was a 16 year or 26-year period there where they didn't physically tape except for when they were requested to by regional affiliates wow. and stuff. So it's kind of hit and miss. I, I, Who's got it? I don't know. Carlos Elizondo, as much fun as we make of him, the Monterey promoter, is supposed to be a real um, pack rat mm-hmm. and is likely to have kept almost all Monterey videos going back, going back to like day one. Yeah. And which day one for him would be, you know, back in the 50s and 60s, whatever they have. I probably heard that from you. <laughs> Years ago or something. Well, that's one of... That, Benjamin Mora's father, not the one that was that is much more famous to us that promoted mm-hmm. in the 80s and 90s and was the Tijuana promoter and was the one uh, that promoted all the Santo mask matches in Tijuana. His father, who helped found the UWA with Francisco Flores, was also a pack rat who kept a lot of things. Well, that, yeah. he might, he's dead now, but he might have kept those and, and his address is? Huh? <laughs> you know who knows, who, who know how to get a hold of anybody in Mexico is Ernesto Ocampo. Whether you can convince Ernesto to give you that information mm-hmm. is another thing. I'll convince Ernesto is very, <laughs> very hit and miss about. Headlock? About uh, I had luck. Will that work? No, luck. Carvernaya, No, and please, nobody do the camel clutch anywhere in the world because it's trademark. <laughs> it's, a right. it's a dance move. You don't can't like use it. You <laughs> cannot use it. So don't watch, do it. Watch out, Iron Sheik. Don't come out of retirement. Whatever you do, do you cannot use it. Be careful. I don't. I'm saying this for your own public interest. <laughs> you might get sued. That's right. You might have to go into court, and you won't get Sano to take his mask off. <laughs> Um, so yes, if you well, that, can get, that, if you can get a hold of Ernesto Acampo, who's on Twitter now yeah. after years and years of begging, you know what that's what convince I convince him to DM you the information he he would know. Kind of like I can only original, imagine the original Doctor Lucha in Japan, Shimizu. Uh-huh. He if he doesn't know the answer, he knows a hundred percent of the time who has the answer. Oh, oh so if you're looking for A, that. B, or C. He knows the person who will know the answer. What I enjoy about being an old school wrestling fan today more than anything is what is going to pop up next. I mean, on YouTube, recently the most recent amazing mm-hmm. find was that match from Greece with Jim Lundos versus Cola Quariani. That, as far as I know, nobody knew that even existed. I had never heard of it before. Uh, and well, just, I had never heard of the Greek guy before, for sure. <laughs> Regardless of Londos or anybody else he wrestled, I'd never heard of him before. You've never Col- heard of Londos before? No, no, Londos, yes. His opponent, no. you never heard of Cola Coriani? Really? Never heard oh, of him. Oh, no, Mike. Oh, wow. Seriously, I've I'm never sure heard, heard of, of Cola Coriani. No, 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 I'd never heard of him. He had a very sad, yeah. sad ending. and I, You guys were ripping me for not, not ever seeing you Jay Strongbo. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't see I had never seen Chief Jay Strongbow. I saw he. I saw him when he was Scarpa in Atlanta, feuding with Mark Lewin before Mark mm-hmm. Lewin went into his devil worshiping bestiality gimmick. Bestiality. <laughs> well, in Georgia, it was in Georgia. Paul Jones didn't care. So I mean, you took all your gimmicks mm-hmm. to the wall. People bought rifles to the ring. I right. mean, he did not care. You know. You know how you got yourself over if you want to get yourself over. And in the seventies, he let Lewin mm-hmm. go crazy. Jeez. In Georgia, it was just, just wow. wild stuff. Wow. Yep, Cola Quariani. Um, the first time I ever heard about him, actually, it was really sad, uh, was in, I think it was, I want to say 1978. Uh, he was a master chess player, and like after he retired, that's all he did was play chess. Wow. And there was a chess club somewhere, I, is New York or New Jersey, I can't remember, 
and it was in a kind of like bad area. Uh, don't know why they had a chess club there, but he was leaving and got into an argument with a couple of thugs, and they all beat him to death. Oh, you know, come on. in his late seventies, I think. Mm-hmm. But but Still, I mean, come on, Vern Gagne can kill a guy. In his late seventies, yeah, but yeah, but, but that guy was his age and <laughs> yeah, probably is out of yeah, it. Then he, these true. were guys. Is this the 20s. same Jim Londos that was so famous they made a Tijuana Bible out of him? <laughs> <laughs> yep, Jim the Londos. Same Cola Coriani was. One. Man, I was always hoping somebody make a Tijuana Bible. Out of him. <laughs> That's right, Jim, that was Jim J E E M, and I don't think Cola Jim. Coriani was ever uh, Jim. Yeah, J- Jim. You know, Jim had had the looks. If he wanted to do blue movies, he probably could have done them. Mm-hmm. I don't think poor Mr. Coriani could have done that. So, but no, yeah, Cor- Coriani was an international um, star. Um, true, his name doesn't go isn't as uh, recognizable as Londos, but yeah, he was something for a while. L- Londos was an American superstar. Yeah, he was. The, he was the real deal. He was it. The Greek god. Did I just say real deal? Yeah. Damn. You're like getting all... I'm getting old and I'm getting punchy and I, I need some oxygen. Another, another match I would have liked to have seen would be and on July 16th of 1965, they did a tournament. CMLL did a tournament. Oh, no. You want, to, back you want to go back in time and see a tournament? <laughs> yeah. Come on. It was a tag team tournament and the winner of the tournament, got, I think, got a shot at the tag team ch- championships, Mexican national championships. That didn't even mean before they had Mexican tag champions, yeah. national champions. And the point was they were debuting Mil Moscaris. And so Mill won the tournament with his partner. And that was the point of the whole tournament. And it got over great. And I would love to have seen what Mill looked like in his first match with that gimmick. He had actually wrestled anonymously in Guadalajara for about a year prior just to get some ring experience. Yeah, actually, I would have loved to have seen Which that. he held as a secret for 50 years and finally only revealed in the Super Luchas interview about oh, three really? or four years ago. Oh, wow, cool, yeah. cool. Well... Uh, I think we covered a lot of ground here. Yeah, we'll, we'll save was, the rest. We'll save, that was good for the first half. Yeah, that's we'll, right. we'll save the IWRG we'll talk till the second half. That's right. That's <laughs> Man, I can't ever have IWRG. You never get to talk about so IWRG. So you folks are going to have That's going to wet your folks' appetite listening to this. You're going to have to wait to hear about IWRG, you poor souls. And DDD. <laughs> that's right. Yes, yes. And don't forget Ice Ribbon. Ice Ribbon. Don't say that anymore. Ice people, Ribbon. We are going to have a special uh, Ice Ribbon uh, version of, no. uh, an, of an Ice Ribbon edition of Lucha World very soon. I think I'm watching it now. <laughs> well, I intend to watch it. I have the DVDs. That's almost worse than watching it, is possessing the yeah. DVDs. So I got them out from Alfredo. <laughs> So uh, thanks, Steve. I want to uh, really appreciate having you on, and uh, it's always great to talk to the Dr. Luch of Lucha. I enjoyed. I enjoyed it. Look forward to doing it again someday. Okay, My very cool. Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> We're there. <laughs> We're holding him hostage, ladies and gentlemen. Until next time. <laughs>